happy Friday, and thanks for spending the week with us here at the Hitchcock Minute, a show where each week teams of Movies by Minutes hosts get together and talk about probably the most thrilling, I think, of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's movies, the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed feature North by Northwest. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TV Dads, the Airport Minute, the Apollo 13 Minute, and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan, also of the Rocketeer Minute and the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And we're reading newspapers. Remember them, Hal? Remember newspapers? I do. And not only that, uh, but multiple editions. Yeah, yeah. The extra and the final and the the bulldog. (laughs) Uh. Extra, extra. (laughs) Read all about it. Um, Sorry, since I opened that door, if, if, if you're... I, I know you're not an Office fan, if I recall. I, I I watch it. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan, but I know you are. You make up. For, but, you you watch what I don't. I understand. Okay, I watch I watch it, so you don't have to. But <laughs> but there's a there, there there's a whole thing where uh, Michael and Holly are are sitting together and and they start riffing on this you know old style. Hey, have you heard the news? Kind of thing. And then and and so she hits him with with that thing. You know, extra extra. Read all about it. And then he wants to participate so badly. He wants to come up with. Like what you would shout after that? What would the newsboys say after that? Like they would read a headline, you know. Yeah. Like in this case, you know, two die as crop dust crashes and burns, you know, this kind of thing. But all he can think of after she says extra, extra, read all about it. All he's got is newspapers for sale. That's <laughs> that's his big headline. And for some reason, it's so subtle and it's so odd, but it just it kills me every yeah. time. And I can't think about you know yeah. <laughs> old newspapers or newsboys or anything without uh, without mentioning that. So are we uh, are we off track yet, Jim? I think so. We're, we're, we've gone we've gone Good. pretty far. But I I, I picture this uh, when, whenever I think newspapers, I think in the Rocketeer with uh, hold the front page. Exactly. Kind of, yes. I, I was just wondering if somebody yelled that into a you know out there in the uh, prairie prairie crossing Indiana. If so, you know hold the front page, we've got a uh, oil truck on fire. Right. Um, we found the only the only phone booth for miles. So, of course, we're talking about how this minute opens. There's the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper. We're seeing the front page. Um, is this, is it interesting to you that, that I don't see a fold? Would that I'm have just, been typical or would they, would, I, would they I'm just wondering forward? if that's, if that's how they, uh, if that's how they delivered the papers there to like, to hotels. I, I, I did think that was kind of odd. I mean, they do have an above the fold there. But uh, it was kind of odd that it's, or not, you know, not in thirds even. Right. That, uh, although maybe, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming that they would do what they do with the USA Todays in some places that they just have it folded in half and dropped on your front door. Yeah, that very well could um, be. But it's like I don't even see that this was folded in half. This almost looks like it was just a full, it's, you know, we don't see the entire newspaper in this scene. But, and I... Uh, I'm not quite understanding. Uh, is this a tabloid-sized newspaper? Because it looks kind of small to me. I'm used to. I mean, I grew up with New York papers, and like the New York Times was the big paper that you opened up. And oh, was, sure. You, know, you cover a table. And, you know, when we when we cut away uh, to the uh, to the drink mixing and all of that, and you see the paper sitting on the nightstand, it does look much smaller. It looks it looks really thin too. So it does yeah. look like it's more tabloid side, which. Um, I, I looked at a couple of pictures of reasonably close uh, Chicago sometimes uh, to that era, but I didn't I don't recall seeing I don't recall seeing if they were an unusual size or not. That's worth uh, worth digging into. Yeah, and like the uh, as the way I understood Chicago papers, they were similar in the in the New York uh, papers that the Chicago 
the Chicago Tribune versus the Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune was the equivalent of the New York Daily News, which to me always meant tabloid size. Right. So I'm just kind of surprised that the, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree also the, uh, the thickness of that paper seems a little skimpy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess this is all they needed to run off. To- <laughs> well, Jim, what do you expect for seven cents? Yeah. Which is yeah, the price right. in the upper left corner, which also I didn't see on, on a, at a, for a quick kind of cursory look at some examples of the of this paper from that era i didn't come across any that had that uh the price actually printed right there but that's not to say that it that it wasn't or special editions or anything but it's also that is so awkward you are just you're you're spending your life making change yeah (laughs) i need need two more pennies for this if i gotta somebody have two two more pennies i got a nickel yeah, well, and, here's a dime, and I'll have three for tomorrow, and then I'll be stuck yeah, with an extra penny, and gosh. Exactly. Yeah. You just never catch up. Can I buy a week's <laughs> worth and come back late? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, the greatest thing to me about this, uh, this well, maybe the second greatest, because there's, there's another headline there to talk about, um, but uh, uh, the uh, headline about this crop duster crash is, I mean, it's the entire story. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're starting with this, you know, this massive headline and then the subhead is almost as big to die as crop duster plane crashes and burns. Low flying craft hits oil tanker. Truck drivers escape Holocaust. <laughs> and then, then everything, wow. everything in the story is, well, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you did you read the first part? Um, yes. Yeah, I don't know if I, you know, if I sort of go full screen here, can't quite read much of any of the body text it looks to me like it's all you know just sort of placeholder stuff it's not laura mipsum but it um yeah there's something on the right that says something of elections yeah something of elections and then uh i swear that there's a in one of the other columns it says h-bomb problem oh see i thought that said uh 16 british petroleum but maybe it is h-bomb problem Okay, yeah, I see H-bomb. That's really funny. Now, as soon as you said 16 and British, no, I see that now. Yeah, or maybe it's, British Prohibition it's, or uh, it's H- like a British ro- Pendulum. Yeah, it, it's the the Chicago Daily Rosarch. Um. <laughs> yes, exactly. You you see what, what you could get. But that uh, uh, that headline, though, just kills me. Did you ever see the, uh, uh, the Onions book, Our Dumb Century? Yes. So I always think of the, uh, the Pearl Harbor headline. Where they had the headline was just the word "war" with an exclamation point, but they printed it so big they had to hyphenate it. So you had <laughs> "wa" hyphen yes, then the yes. next line "r" exclamation <laughs> point. It's like we had to make it that big because it's so important. <sighs> oh um, my gosh! Yeah, that it, one just it, killed me. One of the things that come comes up out of this headline is that we get the story that we didn't get to see because. Uh, we were, we were wondering who's shooting at uh, at Roger as as he's you know flying over the cornfield. There's a pilot, and obviously there's a tail gunner of some kind, or a, or a front gunner. I'm oh, not sure, sure. Where, where he was sitting. Um, and what was unfilmed that uh, was uh, hecked the, fel- the 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 second guy that uh, that was after him. The non the non smiling guy that was in uh, that was at the beginning that that walked him out of the out of the plaza. Uh, in an unfilmed scene, or at least an unedited-in uh, scene, uh, he was the one that was operating the machine gun that was shooting at uh, at Roger on the ground. So we we got the, the little confirmation here, off-screen plausible reality, that the two that died were the pilot and one of the henchmen. And when we get back to um, 
once once we get back with uh, later on with James Mason and company, the only one that we see is uh, the other guy. So um, interesting. Yes, the other guy. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, we also have to address that. Uh, the thing we haven't talked about yet is the the second headline there, which is uh, yes. it's not it's it's the 1950s. It's post Sputnik. It's pre Yuri uh, Gagarin. But there's a subheading that says diary tells how Russians quote hired German rocket men. Yes. And uh, I'm probably uh, I should have I should have like looked this up with notes and things, but uh, it isn't it isn't quite right. There's a common belief that uh, the Russians got where they were because their German scientists were better than our German scientists. And that's, but the, that's a line right out of the right stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, yeah that at least they the had, book, certainly. But, yeah, yeah. And, and it really, it's not quite true. I mean, admittedly, the Germans did go in, or the, the, the Russians went into the, uh, to occupied uh, East Germany, and uh, they did, I don't know the Russian word for it, but they, what we called Operation Paperclip, they called it uh, Operation uh, Aviation Volunteers. And uh-huh. they went in and kind of scooped up all the technicians and rocket people, anybody they could find that was left at uh, Pina Munda and other rocket uh, V2 locations. The problem was uh, for the Russians was that uh, von, Braun and com- von Braun and company had already surrendered to the Americans. So the people they picked up in this sweep were mostly low-level technicians that didn't have direct contact with uh, Von Braun's team. They were more like second-layer engineers. They were guys that, you know, they here's here's the building plans, you go build this, and then they would sit down and lay out the jigs and stuff. But they really didn't understand the uh, the physics behind it all. Um, the, the Soviet uh, missile program uh, really began and almost ended with, uh, with one man, well, with two guys, uh, uh, Ser- uh, Sergei uh, Korolev, and uh, his partner Glushko, who uh, came out of in World War II, they were they were put in a gulag because Stalin didn't like them. And uh, when Stalin was out of the way, they came back and uh, pretty much built up the the whole uh, Soviet uh, missile system by themselves. It was their thought; they were the von Braun of uh, of the Russian space program. And saying that they were, you know, copying German plans is not right because if you look at if you look at their 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 missile systems. It's very much different from the V2s. They're, they have the they have the Korolev system of of, of launching rockets. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, well, that being said, this would be a typical uh, headline of the time because it was our belief that oh well, they're Germans. They knew what they were doing too. So, right, yeah, and they they enslaved their Germans. We liberated ours, and you know, sort of uh, sort of on and on. Which you know, some 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 truth to that. You mentioned yeah. uh, the. Those guys getting thrown in the gulag. Have you ever read a book called Stalin's Aviation Gulag? No, no. Sounds It's good. been long enough since I've read it that I don't recall how much it does in sort of the, the rocket side of things. But in terms of aircraft design uh, designers and design bureaus, um, it's, uh, it's a very compelling read about how these guys were imprisoned and how they were but then expected to continue to design and, and create under pretty horrific, uh, horrific conditions. Um, so fascinating, uh, fascinating read. That's at least in the same neighborhood of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a uh, very, very intriguing time and uh, a kind of a forgotten time. And I mean, we we have a tendency of overshadowing our American accomplishments with what the Soviets had, had accomplished, and the, under the most dire of circumstances. I mean, these guys had nothing. Korolev, uh, when when he launched Sputnik, Korolev had no teeth because he had lost all of his teeth to scurvy from being in the gulag for. Yeah. you know years and years 
so uh, quite a you know quite an amazing amazing uh, folks back then. Just um, anyway, that's kind of again. Well, let's get back to uh, two very handsome looking people uh, mixing drinks in the. Uh... <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I think we've we've milked the paper for all it's worth. We've got our seven cents worth out of the newspaper. Yes, I completely completely uh, <laughs> uh, depreciated. Yeah, right. and uh, we're back looking in uh, the center uh, again. That bathroom view for for Hitchcock is like, yeah, there's a bathroom right there. Let's put it front and center. And uh, gosh, uh, I don't know. Wait, did she stop off at a liquor store? Do you think she had that sent up? I would sure think she had it. Uh, she had it sent up, unless uh, unless the rooms just came. Came stocked. I could also yeah. easily imagine that uh, if you were a, you know, uh, semi-frequent visitor to this particular hotel, that the at some point the concierge learns you know what you like, and they would just yeah. sort of automatically have it for you there because people, you know, cared about such things back then. Yeah, and just the idea that she's pulling out quart jugs. Right, <laughs> exactly. She she just needs to. This is not your uh, your airline uh, variety, right? And you uh, wonder, certainly. you know, how long, how long was she planning to stay? How, how, uh, well, what, was she expecting a lot of company? And I, I'm not sure how far you'd get in that bottle of doers, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look like it hasn't been touched before. It looks like she, she knocked back a couple before uh, she put on her frock. Right. Um, I, oh, he's, uh, it reminds me of the, uh, uh, right toward the end of the movie Goldfinger. Uh, when Bond, uh, in his you know looking equally dapper in his gray suit, is getting on board the uh, uh, the uh, uh, jet star, yes. And uh, Felix Leiter, you know, leans in. You know, one of many Felixes over the years uh, says, you know, I told the stewardess liquor for three, and he said, well, who are the other two? <laughs> oh, there are no other two. <laughs> so, so maybe uh, maybe she's got a similar reputation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, she's got two full bottles of club soda there, and right. uh, possibly one open. Uh, and another thing in the background is a, a by, of a bygone era Chicago phone book and Chicago uh, yellow pages. Ah. So uh, classic. Not oh, a, not sure. A, I mean, the classic thing is to tear a Manhattan phone book apart, but I'm sure the Chicago, even though oh. the city of the big shoulders is a little bit smaller, that is that would be a quite quite sizable thing to rip in half. Right. You know, if you if you go a bit past that toward the end of the minute, not to jump around too much, on the opposite nightstand from the phone with the phone books, there's. I'm assuming that's a clock, but it, it's could that have been a would that have been a clock radio at this point in '59? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it is does it, look like it has room for a speaker there, and it does yeah, look like something you can turn the knob. Definitely can, within the transistor age, so right. It, it could be my, the right time. My first thought was, well, it looks like it almost has a uh, like a, a dial, more like a rotary dial on it. But that, of course, wouldn't make wouldn't make sense. It would make sense for it to be, you know, a tuning dial for a radio. And then, yeah. of course, there's uh, there's a couple of things wrapped in, uh, like welcome baskets gift baskets something wrapped in yellow cellophane. i guess it's just one i'm seeing the other one in the mirror yeah like uh, like the, the same thing that you'd the same kind of uh, cellophane you'd use with a uh, butterscotch yes exactly <laughs> the, the kinds of candies that that are in every grandparent's coat pocket for decades yeah. <laughs> um so that's interesting to me too that 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 uh Given the alcohol consumption, it feels like she's been there a while, but she hasn't torn into that yet. That's still closed yeah. and sealed. Yeah, I don't know. Did she have lunch down in the pub room or something? Because she spent, she's pretty much spent the whole day. Well, we don't actually, I guess we don't know where she's been the whole day, but she got there early in the morning when, right. uh, when he cut loose. And uh, while all that was going on, has she spent the day with Van Damme? Has she, has she, you know, has she just gotten back from Van Damme? I, you know, I just was wondering where she's been all day. 
Maybe shopping she, for that dress. Either shopping for the dress or uh, at the liquor store. <laughs> Could yes. be. So. Had to find some place that had a uh, had club soda and uh, and then and loading up the uh, ice ice cube. I'm wondering. I you know I do not recall. I, well, I was born then, but I was wondering in the 50s, did they have the ice machines at the end of the hallway like they did in the 60s, 70s, and so on? Yeah, that's a good question. Or did you just? Uh... You know, was there sort of a, a you know an an ice baron that uh, in the hotel that you yeah. would just call, and that was their job would be to bring you the ice. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's possibly that they have like one ice machine somewhere that's making it all at once. Right, and it 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 does seem to me I I, don't, I can't picture Eve, uh, someone of sort of her station and, and you know how she's dressed. I don't see her like padding down the hall and. You know, yeah, working a scoop. Yeah, exactly. Scooping the ice and things like that. I just I see that as being something that that uh, that one would ask for and then simply receive. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm wondering if at at the time while this is going, if Roger's sizing up the uh, the drink complement that's on that table, since it seems to be more more than for more than one. Uh, I wonder if he's figuring if she's expecting company. Right, I think that very was, or that she's recently had company. Yeah, yeah, especially, oh. I mean, looking at the level in that Dewar's bottle, somebody's had something to drink. Right. Uh, yeah, he is definitely, uh, well, he's, he's been skeptical, obviously, this entire time, and he's starting with the uh, the embrace, uh, the halfway embrace yesterday and everything else. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, before we uh, before we get, uh, get uh, too far gone or, or before we slip out, the uh, you just you have to talk about Cary Grant's voice all the uh. time. But one thing that really stuck out at me in this uh, in this minute was uh, how he hits the hits his T's, and he's got that he's sort of the king of the mid Atlantic accent anyway in, in many ways, but uh, uh, but when he says uh, when you know Eve is asking him you know uh, you know what happened to Kaplan and everything else, um, Roger says well he checked out and he went to South Dakota. Dakota, yes. It's yeah. really, it's, it's, the T is, somehow it's soft, but super prominent. And then she gets South Dakota, and he goes, mm-hmm, Rapid City. City, <laughs> like yes. This. And it's, yeah, it's it, fascinating it's, to me. I, I had just had a discussion about this a while back about American accents, and we, uh, you know, I, I worked for British Aerospace, and Brits that I worked with loved trying to do American accents, and they, they constantly hit on this D to, the T to D change that we say when we say c-i-t-y we say it as city city sure and uh, things like water and you know you don't notice that but that uh it's called a i think it's called a flap t you put a you put a flap over the t so it, it softens it so when when you find a when you find a consonant t in between two vowels like like south dakota you 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 change it to a d and it's south dakota um, and it's it's something you never notice until right. that you get pointed out by someone who's not speaking American English, and yeah, Carrie does it to a to a T, as it were, <laughs> to a T, quite quite literally. You know, the other one that you notice, I think, the further sort of de evolution of of certain types of American accents. Uh, for some reason, I've been picking up on this lately, and I don't think it's a regional thing. I think it's just sort of a sloppy thing. Um, and I don't mean to sound like a complete elitist bastard. I think we covered that yesterday <laughs> um, with our first class travel and all that. But uh, um, is uh, uh, when you have a contraction, um, 
uh, I'm trying to sort of think of the of what the rules would be. I'm sort of making this up as I go, but but uh, the example that it comes to mind is uh, uh, when you say you know he isn't here. As as people get sloppier with it, the S becomes a D. Like, like he didn't hear. Yeah, you know, didn't hear. Yeah, it, it, that didn't happen, which is correct, but you know, uh, isn't gonna happen. Yeah, that kind didn't of thing. Know. Yeah, didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it yeah. Eventually, we're just gonna grunt at each other. I think it's I think still, so too. Slowly moving to caveman we'll speak, be and grunting then, as we text to each other. Yeah. But the more he uses that transatlantic accent in there, it's just, it's like cutting like a knife. It's like, oh, did he? Are you, are you surprised to see me and all that? You know, yes. he just, he's very accusatory and she's completely blowing it off. You know, it's like, oh, really? Well, well let me get you a drink. And, right. and yes. you know, she's got, she's got those wheels spinning while she's, you know, moving the swizzle stick around in the, in the scotch. Um, it's, I mean, this is great. It's always great to have business to do for actors, but they really... It's it's perfect for the scene simply because she can, uh, you know, put all of her stress into, into that swizzle stick as she's, you know, uh, churning up the ice cubes. Right. I um, say that's they're going to be melted by the time she's done stirring. But <laughs> nothing. Yeah. <so. laughs> exactly. But just yeah, just a beautiful a beautiful scene of two consummate professionals working. Uh, working through two levels of the dialogue, the dialogue and the story are not meeting up here. And just a, a gorgeous thing. And really a great way to end uh, our, our term of service <laughs> on this. Yes, uh, indeed. On this. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Hal, it's always great talking with you about movies and especially movies that we both, you know, love. Absolutely. That's uh, that makes it easier. And it's been fun to go back to this one. Cause this, this is one that I hadn't seen in, in far too long. And, and uh, you know, it's always it's always one you're aware of. It's it's woven into the the fabric of our pop culture, but it's uh, it's it's easy to just say, oh yeah, that's the movie with the the biplane in it, and kind of move on. But yeah, when you, but it really it really you, holds up too. It does. It yeah, it really does. That's exactly right. Uh, wow, enjoyable. Well, uh, hopefully, people listening to us will go out and watch the movie because it really is it really is worth seeing one more time. Um, and it is one of those things that if it's on your TV and you come in on the middle, you go, oh, "I'll watch the rest of this." Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're you know wandering around in a t-shirt and uh, PJ pants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the the uniform uh, du jour. Yes, yes, exactly. Wow. Well, uh, for folks who want to listen to our previous eighty minutes, and there's a lot of and there's good things uh, coming up ahead. But we're about two thirds of the way through this movie, so uh, go go out to uh, HitchcockMinute.com. You can catch up on previous episodes, or you can always subscribe on any of the popular pe- podcatchers at uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, all those places. Uh, you can you know subscribe and get this delivered hot and fresh every every day Monday through Friday. Uh, we will be turning over the reins to uh, someone else uh, on Monday. Uh, but if you like to talk about what we've been talking about, uh, always on the social media, you can go to Twitter, uh, Hitchcock Minute, and um, what's the other one? Oh, Facebook, The Man on Washington's Nose. Uh, love to hear your comments about the show, about the movie, about you know, anything in general, especially, you know, Russian uh, uh, space uh, pioneers yes. <laughs> and things like that. And Scotch, who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, check back with us here on Monday as a new team takes over. Thanks for listening to us. We'll you know, hopefully listen to you next time on uh what is this? Oh, yes, the Hitchcock Minute. Thanks. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.